All right, praise the Lord. Uh, my sermon today is called The Holiness of Celebration. Uh, I've got two main passages that I'm going to read from today, uh, but we'll start with uh, Jeremiah 31, verses 10 through 14. Uh, we'll have it up on the screen, but if you want to go ahead and turn to it in your Bibles, and then we'll read it together as a church. Uh, Jeremiah 31, verses 10 through 14. All right, uh, if you'll stand as we read God's word together. All right, it says, Hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare it in the coastlands far away. Say, He who scattered Israel will gather him and will keep him as a shepherd keeps his flock. For the Lord has ransomed Jacob and has redeemed him from hands too strong for him. They shall come and sing aloud on the height of Zion, and they shall be radiant over the goodness of the Lord, over the grain, the wine, and the oil, and over the young of the flock and the herd. Their life shall be like a watered garden. <laughs> uh, I'll read the rest. It says, And they shall languish no more. Then shall the young women rejoice in the dance, and the young men and the old shall be merry. I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and give them gladness for sorrow. I will feast the soul of the priests with abundance, and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, declares the Lord. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you that we are here together, that you have gathered us, Lord. Uh, not only physically here in this place, but Lord, spiritually uh, into your flock. And we ask that you would open your word to our hearts and uh, help us to hear your words, help the words that I'm speaking glorify you and honor you today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so like I said, the title of my sermon is The Holiness of Celebration. And just to give you kind of a one-line main point of what my sermon is about, it's that celebration is holy when it is done according to God's design, and it is a natural, even necessary response to God's grace and mercy to his people. Uh, so some context uh, to this passage that we just read. Uh, it's the book of Jeremiah, which is the letters of a prophet. Uh, God gave a message to Jeremiah to speak to Israel. Uh, Israel was not in obedience to God uh, at the time of this letter being written. They were in rebellion to God over a long period of time, uh, constantly going off to worship other idols and disobey his word. And so God is actually in this book proclaiming judgment and destruction upon the people of Israel. He's telling them, because you've disobeyed me, I'm going to scatter you. I'm going to tear down the walls of Jerusalem you're going to be taken captive uh, by a people who are not my people, and you'll be forced, you'll basically be slaves to those people. Jeremiah is declaring this. It's a harsh rebuke from God saying, you have disobeyed me. And that doesn't sound like what we just read, uh, because chapter 31 is a very specific break in these really harsh rebukes in which God says, that's not the end of the story. That's not all I'm going to do. Uh, because 
What he actually says is that those who survive the sword will find grace in the wilderness. And he gives us this passage where he essentially prophesies that those whom he has scattered, he will gather back together and they will be rejoicing. He will bring them redemption, unification, joy. This is also the chapter where we find him, his promise that he will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and his, the law will be written on our hearts and our minds and not just on tablets of stone. So some questions for, for you guys. When we re- read this passage, how did you guys read the people are celebrating? What were they doing in this celebration? Anybody? Singing. singing. There was singing and music. Anybody else? Dancing. They were dancing. They were rejoicing. Uh, they were also eating and drinking. It talks about the wine and the oil and the, the young of the flock, which they would kill to eat. Uh, so they were celebrating with many different things. It's, it was a huge party that was happening. Now, why were they doing that? What was the reason that they were performing all these activities? That's right. God, God brought them back together. It says those whom he has scattered, he gathers back together. Anybody else? His goodness. It says actually that they would be satisfied with his goodness. He also redeemed them. And it also says he ransomed them. It says that he rescued them from someone whose hands were too strong for them. In other words, they had been captured by an enemy that they couldn't escape from. And they, they were too weak to save themselves. But God had saved them from this strong enemy. So I'm going to read another passage uh, that's in the New Testament from Jesus. And he gives us kind of a similar model of celebration. Uh, it's Luke chapter 15. Uh, and it'll be up on the screen, but I'll read it for you. Uh, and this is in the middle of the prodigal son. We're going to probably read this in a couple months. We'll go over this whole parable. But I want to kind of highlight this one specific spot of the parable. Most of you are familiar with the prodigal son. Uh, a father's son basically takes his part of the inheritance, leaves, squanders the inheritance on a wasteful life, and then comes back uh, and asks for his father's forgiveness and just says, I, just make me a servant. So this is the part kind of when the father responds to his son having returned. It says, but the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this. My son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back, safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, 
These many years I've served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. I'm going to ask the same questions I asked last time. So what do we see happening? How are they celebrating here? What are they doing? Eating? Dancing? Wearing, they put on clothes. They're adorning the sun. They give him gifts of like rings and shoes and the, the best robe, not just like any random bathrobe or whatever. What else? They killed the fattened calf, the, the, the best calf they had, right? Like they, they got some good meat. They spent a lot of resources and time on this. They're eating, dancing, music, the same kind of things we saw in the Old Testament celebration. Now, why were they celebrating? Yeah, the son was, was alive. In fact, he was, it says he was dead because essentially to him, he was dead and now he's alive. He was lost and he's been found and he was scattered and now he's been brought back. So these are two very similar passages, not only in the type of celebration we see, but the reason for the celebration. We have this redemption, both of the God's son of Israel, right? Symbolically, the people of Israel who are, who are the father's children, and then the prodigal son returning. There is rejoicing at the returning and at the redemption that God has done. But one very, very interesting piece, and this was almost a central uh, part of the verse to me. The very last verse, it says, it was fitting to celebrate and be glad. The word it was fitting is this Greek word, dei, and I was looking at other examples of that word. And everywhere else in the New Testament, uh, it was must or had to, or ought to, or should. And I'm not a Bible translator, so I don't know exactly why they put it was fitting, but it just feels like it doesn't have the, the force behind it that is there everywhere else. And there are other translations which say, basically, son, your son was dead and he's alive. It wasn't just that I thought it was a good idea. I had to celebrate I have no choice but to celebrate because of this amazing thing that God has done. And that, and that really hits me. To think about that is I connect these two stories to our own life. If we are believers, we were once lost people. We were lost sheep gone astray. We were captured by an enemy too strong for us. We could not save ourselves from sin, Satan, and death. We are powerless against this enemy. But Christ came to this earth, lived a perfect life for us. He took all of our sin upon himself on the cross, and he died as a traitor so that we could be forgiven of our sins, so that he could rescue us from this enemy. He was buried and then three days later, he rose again, and he proved that he had power over this enemy, which we did not have power over. 
And why did he do that? So that he could bring us back to his fold. So that those of us who were scattered could be gathered back together. So that he could redeem us. So that he could ransom us. He literally ransomed us. He paid the ransom for us. But, if that's what he did to us, and that's the same exact thing that he did for Israel in the first passage we read, it's the same thing he did for the son in the second passage he read, if that's what he did for us, does our celebration look like that? Are we celebrating in the same way that they're celebrating? And I'm not saying we have to go kill some calf, right? I'm not saying it has to look exactly the same way. Maybe we do. That sounds great. But what I'm saying is, are we at the point where when we think about the goodness of the Lord in our lives and his salvation in our lives and then others' lives around us, do we say, I have to celebrate? I don't have a choice. Are we filled with rejoicing over God's goodness in our life to the point where we celebration is just a, a natural outflow? It's like, yeah, it's just what I do. It's what I'm going to do here. I, I, in general, I don't think we do celebrate that way. I know that I don't celebrate that way about what he's done in my life or what, about what he's done in other people's lives. So when we feel like we're lacking in the celebration department, I think, firstly, we, sh- we should feel conviction there because when we see the celebration happening there, we should think, why am I not celebrating in that way? I think there's a few things we can do to kind of restore our desire to celebrate. In fact, there's a few things that God has ultimately given us to remind us to celebrate. The first thing is the word and prayer. If we're lacking in our celebration, it might be because we're not in his word enough and we're not praying enough. And the reason is because where do we find out about what God has done for us? In the Bible, right? In His Word. We read His Word. We just read what God has done, and we, we're reading those two passages, and we're like, that's what He's done for us. That's His promise to us through Jesus Christ. His promise is to rescue us and ransom us and redeem us. We found about that, about that through the Word. We turn to Him through the Word. So maybe we're not looking at His Word enough and, and building our our minds and our hearts around what he has done for us. Maybe, maybe we're spending too much time on things in the world, and those are the things that excite us and entice us and that we want to celebrate. Sometimes we might celebrate uh, a football team winning a game or winning a video game or something like that, right? Like, and those things aren't bad. But how much more are we celebrating those things than what God's done for us? And in prayer, we're spending time with God. We're, we're pouring our heart out to Him. We're giving Him all of our prayers and our supplications and our thanksgivings. And we're reminded of who He is just in His presence with us. So the first step is get back into the Word. Get back into prayer. Spend time with Him. Spend time speaking to Him and hearing from Him. One of the things, and I'll come back to this verse probably a couple times, it says at the end of the Jeremiah passage, it says, His people will be satisfied 
with his goodness. And if we're not satisfied, if his goodness is not enough for us to celebrate, then we really have to constantly be questioning ourselves. But that's his promise to the peop- to his people. His promise is that they will be satisfied with his goodness. So that's what we need to aim for, is to be satisfied with his goodness. The second thing is the Lord's Supper. God's people come together and they eat the bread and the juice and the wa- or the wine. And it started out, it was actually a feast, right? Jesus brought his disciples together. There was a whole of meal that they had together when they broke the bread and the wine. And the, the elements ultimately don't matter. The elements are symbolic. But what's really happening there is that his people are coming together to remember what? What are we remembering when we partake of the bread and the wine? All of that. His death for us, his sacrifice for us, which is his goodness and his mercy in our lives. Not only our lives, it's not just for you, but it's communion, right? Together, he brought all of us here together to partake and to remember his death and his sacrifice for us. Literally, what's happening in these passages is symbolically happening right here. So if, if you have a hard time celebrating, we literally celebrate every week. And yet, it doesn't look as lavish, right? This isn't as lavish. And to be honest, uh, there, there's some history on when it was once like a big feast that they had, and there were, there were issues with, with the church, like uh, different traditions. The Jews had this tradition. The Gentiles had this tradition. And so a lot of them believe that it was kind of stripped away for that very reason of, this is not about the food, it's about Jesus. So this is almost the, the feast without, uh, without all the distracting elements. This is a good place for us to come and remember and to celebrate. But how many times do we come to the Lord's Supper kind of nonchalantly, just like it's a check in the box? And, and we might come with some thankfulness in our hearts. But I think we should come with a tremendous amount of celebration. And I'm not saying we got to be loud and raucous and boisterous. Maybe we do. But we do need to celebrate and be satisfied with his goodness. Thinking about a group of people coming together to celebrate his death and his resurrection. And then the last one is Sunday service. When God's people gather together, what, are we, what do we do here? What kind of things do we do? We, yeah, music, singing. We pray. We read God's word. Sometimes we have a fellowship meal. We eat and we drink. Uh, we don't dance very much in this church, but, you know, that could, that's an option. But if you're catching my point here, like a church should probably look no different from what we saw in Luke, what we saw in Jeremiah. And I'm again, I'm not putting specific, like, this is what this needs to look like. Do these things if you want to be a holy church. What I'm saying is, what God's done in your life 
naturally pours out of you because of his generosity towards you. If you are truly filled with the goodness of God, it's going to come out through the way that you, you celebrate. And every culture, every group of people, every city is going to have a different way they do it, but you're going to know that they're celebrating and they're rejoicing. But my question to you is, do they see a difference between your celebration and the celebration of the world? Right? Because they're celebrating too. There's lots of verses about the worldly celebrations where they say, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. Right? They're like, oh, let's just live it up because we got nothing left after that. Our celebration is totally different. It's actually the opposite. Like we were dead, but now we're really alive. So let's celebrate like we were dead and now we're alive. How different does that look? Or does it look no different? So we, gotta, we have to check our hearts. Uh, we just celebrated Thanksgiving. For most people, lots of food, lots of family, lots of traditions. But for us, every Sunday should be Thanksgiving. It doesn't have to have all the food, but it, we should be giving thanks and praising God for everything he's done. I mean, that's why we're here. We're not here to check off a box. We're not here to uh, just, you know, well, I got to be here because God said I need to be here. We're here for a very specific reason. One of them is to encourage each other and stir each other up. But we're here to praise the Lord. We're here to give thanks for what he's done, not just this week. But every single week we go to the Lord's Supper to remember what he's done. Every single week we sing praise and worship. And Andrew was on point with with his songs. Just, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done in my life. It's a celebration. When we sing, we are not just, uh, it's so easy for us to get, I think a lot of us have grown up in church. It's so easy just to sing the songs that we've always sung. And it's just like, hey, yeah, we just sing what we've always sung. And it tends to, we tend to get numb to it. But we really need to pay attention to what we're singing and think about, like, what did the Lord really do in your life? Think about all the things in those songs that we, that we hear about and think about who Jesus is to you. Uh, and one thing John Wesley has said is a lot of times we'll sing a song that, you know, we, we aren't even really feeling. Like, Lord, I worship you for your goodness. It's like, I'm not really worshiping the Lord for his goodness. But John Wesley says sometimes... You're just seeing it to yourself as a command. Like, hey, you need to worship the Lord for his goodness, right? Sometimes it's a reminder to us when, we're sh- when we fall short, not, a, not necessarily boasting in ourselves, but really lifting ourselves up. This is who we should be. This is what we should do as a people. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 16, I won't read it because it's really long and I probably don't have enough time, but David essentially... Uh, starts a feast with a command to the priests to sing a song of thanksgiving. And it's 30 verses. And it's basically a history of God's redemption of his people. And you've got to read it when you get a chance. It is amazing. But it was a command from David. And they sang the Lord's goodness 
And they commanded themselves in the song to ascribe to the Lord glory and honor and strength and might because he's redeemed us and rescued us. Second Corinthians chapter 16. You can look it up. Second Chronicles. Sorry. I don't know why I said, I, yeah, Second Chronicles. But uh, it is a tremendous, tremendous. And at the end, they said, amen. And they all praised the Lord. And I mean, that's, that's what our church services are, where we're just ascribing to the Lord glory and honor and might and sharing what he's done for us recently, but also just in general, when, when he saved us. So every Sunday, we get an opportunity to worship the Lord, to really celebrate. And I think we're called to it. Again, like I said, celebration is not only a good thing, not only is it holy when it's done according to God's design, but it's a natural response to his grace and mercy to us. If he's been gracious and merciful to us, if he really, really has, then celebration is almost like expected. We're almost expecting that to have happened, right? <clears throat> every, every birthday we have, we have a celebration, right? Uh, especially with the kids. They've made it through another year. Celebrate. Let's celebrate another year of their life. We, we just expect that there's a birthday. We expect that there's an anniversary, right? So how much more do we expect God's goodness in our life to be celebrated? I think so. I'll, I'll look it up and I'll, I'll share it with you later. Um. Every Resurrection Sunday is a Thanksgiving, and also every Sunday is a wedding rehearsal. I'll read this uh, passage from Revelation 19. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come. And his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. So there will one day be a, a wedding between Christ and his bride, which is the church. And right now he is preparing his bride. He's again he's gathering him to himself. He's bringing people into the, to his kingdom. And he's also sanctifying them, right? He's purifying their robes. Like it says those uh the bright and pure linens which is the righteous deeds of the saints. But one day the bride is going to be ready. And on that day Christ and the bride will join together in a marriage supper. And it's going to be glorious. It's going to be a celebration. It's going to be the celebration of all celebrations. And so every Sunday is kind of a wedding rehearsal for us. We're getting ready for that day. We're, we're making ourselves ready for that day, right? The Lord tells us to be ready for that day. Preparing our hearts, preparing our minds, but also just celebrating that it will one day come for those of us who are his. 
So I think ultimately we have to ask ourselves, are we really preparing ourselves for that? Is this a wedding rehearsal for us or is this just kind of some kind of sideshow? And I think it's, it's very sobering for me because a lot of times I, I don't come in with that mindset. I don't look at, and I'm not just talking about Sunday morning, right? I'm talking about when God's people come together. For us, we come together on Sundays, but it could be on a Wednesday night. It could be on a Tuesday night. It could be whatever. Whenever God's people come together, we have the opportunity to celebrate, to join together and rejoice in what God has done, in what God is doing, and what he will do. And in heaven, this celebration is happening already. If you read in Revelation, you'll see the Son ascending to the throne after he's resurrected. He ascends to the throne, he sits at the right hand of the throne, and they rejoice and glorify God. And they say that now the power of Satan has been destroyed, and he sits at the right hand of the Father, and all glory and dominion and honor is given to him. They are celebrating and rejoicing right now. And our prayer is, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Wait, we're praying that heaven, the heavenly reality becomes the earthly reality. That's our prayer. And our celebration should be the same thing. The question is, are we, are we celebrating like they're celebrating in heaven or are we celebrating like they celebrate here on earth? So that's my, my challenge to you today. And I think that what we need to do is just check our hearts. But also this is a, an awesome time to just think about the goodness of God in our lives and just celebrate. It's as simple as that. Just, just be satisfied with the goodness of God in your life. Go to the Word. Go, to, go into prayer. Come to the Lord's Supper if you're a believer. Come to church, right? But don't just come to, to be there. Come to rejoice and celebrate. Come to do what you were supposed to do. Rejoice in His name. Uh, and I will, since I have a little bit of time, I will pull up that scripture and read it because I think it is absolutely awesome. Uh, it's First uh, Chronicles 16, so that's where I was wrong. But uh, On that day, David first appointed that thanksgiving be sung to the Lord by Asaph and his brothers. It says, oh, thank, oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon His name. Make known His deeds among the peoples. Sing to Him. Sing praises to Him. Tell of all His wondrous works. Glory in His holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that He has done, His miracles, and the judgments He uttered. O offspring of Israel, His servant, children of Jacob, His chosen ones, He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Remember His covenant forever, the word that He commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant He made with 
Abraham, his sword promised to Isaac, which he confirmed to Jacob as a statute, to Israel as an everlasting covenant. And it continues to talk about the history of Israel. And he, they finish with, it says, and they said, Amen, and praise the Lord. And they said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. So that's the kind of thing that we need to do. That's what we need to mimic in our celebrations. Again, it's, maybe it does look like uh, music and dancing and rejoicing and, and food, right? It could look like Jake's wedding did, right? That was an awesome celebration, like seeing everybody dancing and rejoicing over the unity between uh, Jake and Caitlin. Uh, it doesn't always doesn't have to look like all that. You don't have to spend a ton of money for it. You have, if you have two people gathered together, thinking about what God's done in their life, whatever the natural response to God's goodness is, that's going to be the celebration. But the question is, are we allowing ourselves to respond, or are we withholding our response? Are we firstly, are we truly dwelling on His goodness enough that we do respond? And secondly. Are we willing to respond? Are we willing to respond to his goodness with celebration? And I think certainly if we have food and music, we should use those things to glorify God and honor him. And I'm and we all have different traditions that we celebrate with. And there's so many opportunities. There's Christmas, Thanksgiving, all these things and everyone can celebrate to their conscience. We should always be celebrating. That is is the given on Sunday, on Saturday, on Tuesday, on whatever. Just use the things that you have in your life to celebrate and honor God and praise his name. So the final piece is, what has God done in your life, right? We, we, We ask the question, why are we celebrating and how are we celebrating? So what's God done in your life? Maybe, maybe he hasn't done anything in your life. Maybe you don't see his goodness. Maybe you don't believe in Christ. And the call to you is that he has done something for you. Even though you don't believe in him, he died on the cross to save you from your sins. To give you eternal life in his name. So, so a way you can respond to that, repent and believe. And in fact, the celebration that Jesus was specifically talking about was when a lost sheep comes back to him, come back to the shepherd. But maybe you do believe, and God has done many wonderful things in your life. He saved you. He's brought you restoration to your life, redemption to your life. You can celebrate in those things. So then the question is, how do I celebrate? What, do I ha- what has God given me? What do I have around me? It doesn't matter if you sing well. It doesn't matter if you have a lot of money. You can celebrate, and you can come and join with God's people and celebrate. We can do it together because he's called us to do it together. So let's celebrate the Lord's goodness in our lives. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for all that you've done for us, God. There, there are more scriptures than can possibly be reviewed on a Sunday or several Sundays, Lord, about your goodness and your mercy and your grace in our lives. Everything you've given us that we 
don't deserve, Lord. And you are slow to anger. And you're rich in love, like the song said. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for what you've done for us. Help us, Lord, to honor you rightly by celebrating, by responding to your goodness and your mercy in our lives. Lord, and help us to use our celebration to display your goodness to the world. And help us be satisfied by your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.